is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. And today we have the privilege of talking to two people that we admire a lot and who've taught us a lot on our team at Family Church about biblical literacy. And that's the one and only JT English and Jen Wilkin. That's right. I can't believe it. We get to have the host of one of my favorite podcasts. Oh my gosh. She talks about it all the time. On our little old podcast. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. So you just settle down. And I know we are both thrilled to have Pastor JT and renowned Bible teacher Jen Wilkin talk today about their new book, which is called You Are a Theologian. But JT and Jen are both friends of Family Church. They have both uh, spoken into our lives personally. They've spoken to our team and uh, helped train a team at Family Church. And so we're very grateful for the influence of uh, JT and Jen. So where are we going to go from here, Leslie? Well, I'm kind of curious because we actually had the privilege of having Jen at our staff retreat and JT at our staff retreat. So I know they kind of compete with each other. So do you think that there was a favorite, Pastor Jimmy? I would think there was a favorite, (laughs) but I'm not going to get into that right now. All right. All right. All right. All right. So why don't we let them introduce themselves to our listeners? They probably are known amongst our churches, but JT and Jen, you want to introduce yourselves to us? Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your families, what you're doing in ministry right now. Yeah, Jen, I'm Jen. I've been married to Jeff for 30 years. And wow. yeah, as of June 26th. So we just celebrated Congratulations, that. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, thank you. We had some friends who went on a trip to Italy to signify their 30th anniversary. And Jeff and I, in a similar vein, bought each other a Nespresso machine. <laughs> so that's how romantic we are about Man, big uh, big dates. Yeah. Every morning we like, you know, chink our coffee cups together <laughs> and right. say we did it. Yeah. So we have five children, four biological and one bonus. And we live in the Dallas area, and I teach the Bible and write books on occasion and serve in my local church. Awesome. How about you, JT? Yeah, so I've been married to my wife, Macy, for 16 years. She's one of the first Christians I met after I came to faith in college, and she helped me understand a lot of things. I mean, she wasn't like teaching, but she was following Jesus, and we did Bible studies together, and man, I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have with her 16 years as of this July. We've got two kiddos, Thomas and Bailey, eight and six years old, and we feel like we're in the thick of parenting little ones right now, which is Mm. so fun. They're kind of both transitioning into that next phase, which is fun to watch, and baseball tryouts and dance tryouts. So we're just having a blast as parents. And I pastor a church in Storyline in in Denver called Storyline, Colorado. It's actually in a community that I grew up in, planted in a high school that I played basketball in as a non-Christian. So to come back home to Colorado and to pastor a church that loves Jesus, is full of the Spirit, is trying to follow Him missionally, has been a really, really sweet thing. Jen and I's stories overlap a little bit as I got to be on staff at the church that she currently serves at for about six years. And we really realized we are siblings in ministry. God Mm -hmm. has given us a similar passion to do Bible literacy and theological formation, but specifically to do that in the context of the local church. So to do this project with her, our podcast has been one of those things that we never really realized what was going to come out of this. We were doing this in our offices together mm-hmm. before we were doing this publicly. So yep. to have the chance to do this publicly with her has been a real honor and privilege. Well, it's really fun to watch you guys kind of hash these things out. You've been behind closed doors when I've seen you guys do it a little bit. And then you guys have done it on this podcast for a long time, and it's been really rich for all of us. Thank you. Let's talk about this book. 
you are a theologian. So, Jen, if you had to give us an elevator pitch for the book and the point of it, what is that? Yeah, I would say that whether or not we understand the basic beliefs of our faith is not something that is negotiable, that it is nothing Mm -hmm. less than a great commission necessity. We're told that one generation is to tell the next, and we cannot transmit to the next generation something that we ourselves don't know. And I'm sure you guys are aware of the statistics that are out there specifically around, you know, people usually hear me talk about Bible literacy. This book is an opportunity for JT and me to talk about theological literacy. And just as we have a Bible literacy crisis, we should not be surprised to know we also have a crisis in theological understanding that pervades the local church and affects the way that the big C church operates on a daily basis in culture and just in the world as Christ's representatives. So, you know, you look at the numbers of how we're doing with just understanding what defines Christian belief, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And uh, we believe that this kind of understanding is grown in community, and specifically, we love to see it happening in the local church. So we wanted to write a book that would help give first steps for those who say, yeah, I don't actually think that I know how to talk about the doctrine of God, or I'm not sure that I understand the doctrine of salvation, or the doctrine of humanity and and to give them starting points so that they can step into a great commission calling to teach others to observe all that Jesus commanded. I appreciate that so much, Jen. JT, why don't you, I'm curious because, you know, the two concepts that you talked about at the beginning there, Jen, of biblical literacy and theological literacy, and those things have a pretty significant relationship. I wonder, JT, if you'd like to comment on the relationship between those two items. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, our church world, kind of 21st century American evangelicalism, is facing a number of different challenges, but two that Jen and I would highlight is a lack of Bible literacy. What does our sacred text say about who God is and what he's done? And that includes kind of doing deep dives into specific books like Romans or Ruth or Ephesians or Genesis and and having a firsthand account of who God is and what he's done. But also what theology helps us do is to begin to compile the way that Ruth, Romans, Ephesians, and Philippians would put all of those things together as it relates to specific topics about who God is and what he's done. And so we really feel like sometimes people kind of go headlong into Bible literacy or New Testament studies or Old Testament studies, which go for it, jump in. And other people maybe go into kind of more theological studies and only kind of do the big picture topics. What Jen and I really feel like we want to call the church to is realizing those are two sides of the same coin, that all good Bible study leads to theology and all good theology should lead us back to our sacred text and reading it. And so if you read a theology book, and you're not doing it with your Bible open next to you, I'm, I'm not sure what you're doing. You want to know what the Bible says. But also, as you read the Bible, you want to be drawing specific conclusions about some really important questions about, again, we've said this, who God is, what he's done, who are we, what's gone wrong in the world, who's Jesus, who's the Holy Spirit, what's mm-hmm. the church, and ultimately, where are all things going in the future? And so we want to call the church to say the Bible matters, theology matters, and both of those things ultimately are the fuel that leads us to worship. God and to love him and to to love him with everything we have, our head, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Jen, you said too uh, something that I think is I'd like to follow up on. You said that you have a concern for churches. You hope this is going to help the big C church and the way that we operate and the way that we function in our society and with each other. Can you give me some ways that you think better theology might help us do that? Could you give some examples of what you're talking about? 
Yeah, I think it's no secret to anyone that these are times of great division and not division necessarily between the church and the world around them, that within the church, we see deep divisions and we see people on top of that. In many cases, as a result of seeing these divisions, they're deconstructing and leaving the faith of their childhood or the faith of their youth. And I understand deconstruction. I want to respect a process of deconstruction. I want to ask the why behind the what. And I also would hope that people, if they leave a faith, they're leaving a faith that they actually knew before they leave it. And so one of the things that we would like to see is that those who are in the church who call on the name of Christ actually can say, and this is what Christians have believed for 2,000 years. Now, the things that Christians have agreed upon for 2,000 years, we call those those closed-fisted doctrines. Doctrines. And that's what we take a look at in the book are just the basis for basic Christian belief. The things that we're typically yelling at each other about are secondary or tertiary issues. They're not first tier issues, but many of us don't even have the ability to discern between what is a first, second, or third level concern. So that is one of the hopes of the book is to draw people back to, hey, this is what we share historically in light of what scripture teaches with great clarity and and thereby to And here's what I actually think will be the outcome of this. I would say the same is true of Bible literacy, that the more we grow in our understanding of what the Bible teaches and says, and the more we grow in our understanding of basic Christian belief, the more gracious we will be with others who are at a different place on that path, um, that we will stop yelling about things that are of secondary or tertiary importance. We will deal with more grace toward one another, recognizing that those things have been discussed for years, but there are a set of things on which we have said, uh, this is what defines Christian belief. And Leslie, I think, you know, you and I and Jen, you too, we all have adult children. And so this idea of deconstructing is probably really near and dear to all of our hearts because of our desire for our own children to pursue Christ as they grow into adulthood, but also because the peers of our adult children are in various stages of embracing Christianity, walking away from Christianity. And so, Leslie, I don't know if you have a word on that, because I really feel like that's a really vital thing, this idea that our kids could be walking away from a Christianity that they never really understood. Sure. I mean, that's 100% true that that's what's happening. So who is your target audience when you think about it? Is it that kind of person who's kind of weighing the claims of Christianity, or is it a Christian who's you know solid in their faith and just wants to understand more? Like, who are you targeting with this book? I think the answer is yes to both of those things. We tried to write, if there's going to be a critique of this book, it's that it's too basic. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we tried to do. Yeah. We wanted to write something that somebody who's questioning the faith could read and realize Christianity is based upon truth, true things about what God has said about himself. We also wrote this for somebody who maybe is deconstructing and like, I don't know that I know these truths and I'm not sure. And I feel like I'm you know, the culture of the church that I grew up in is collapsing, which feels like my faith is collapsing. So now I'm grasping for things. But ultimately, I also, one of the reasons I was passionate about this is this is a book written for new believers. And mm-hmm. so whether you're a skeptic or somebody who's deconstructing or a new Christian, like this is the book that I wish somebody would have handed to me after I came to faith when I was a brand new Christian. Instead, they handed me a 450 page introduction to systematic theology to a kid who didn't know how to read good. You know, like I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> <Had> literacy issues. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I got some literacy issues. Where are the pictures and scratch and sniffs app? And so I feel like this is a book, again, there's going to be weaknesses to every book. 
but we wanted to write this with the whole church in mind Mm -hmm. and in some sense with everybody in mind because we believe everybody is a theologian that's why we titled it you are a theologian is this includes the the long time mature christian who's been in bible studies or uh, home groups for 25 30 40 years but wants to keep grounding themselves in truth or to the new believer who says i'm not sure i know all the stuff can you help me or to the deconstructing christian who's like i'm not sure what truth is anymore is we wanted this to be a grounding place where they can find the pillars of essential christianity and hopefully we also wrote it that they would do it in the context of community each chapter mm-hmm. has discussion questions formational prayers at the end so that they don't have to just read this by themselves and and you know say yes or no but to do it in the context of conversation and learn with other Christians. I would just add to that another audience that we are keen to influence is parents who are wanting to disciple their children or student ministries who are looking for ways to introduce these topics. One of the reasons that deconstruction happens in young adulthood is when ideas were not firmly put in place, either to say yes to or no to, right, at a time when children are um, forming their worldview. And so we've written a book that we hope is accessible. We try to write at an eighth grade reading level so that the ideas that are sometimes said in a more complex way in a more academic book might be brought down to a level that's readable for the average learner. But that means that this is a book that we hope would be accessible at the high school level and even down to middle school with the right person leading a discussion. We don't want children to be surprised by these ideas in young adulthood or to never have heard of them at all as they're evaluating their perception of what Christianity is. So yeah, I think the earlier you can start talking about these things, you know, Deuteronomy 6, the more of a shot you have at giving a child a good picture of what Christianity actually is, that then that then we do all have to evaluate and either internalize or push away as we move into adulthood. Yeah, I appreciate the accessibility. You guys have mentioned that word a lot. And I think that's, you know, as I read it, that's one of the words I wrote down to describe it. It's extremely accessible. And yet I do want to say to all the people listening, so if you have pastors or whoever listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's going to be too easy because my people are super smart. All right. Well, they do cover a lot of sophisticated concepts, but these are two people with a gift of teaching and they make it understandable. They talk about the, you know, the eminent economic dimensions of the Trinity. They talk about communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. They talk about general and special revelation. Those are concepts. Those are conversations that every Christian should become fluent in. And I do think that you put it out there. And I think, Jen, your encouragement to have a discussion leader, I think most people who aren't relatively sophisticated in terms of their background reading would be assisted greatly by having a discussion leader to help kind of frame some of this and guide some of this. I wonder if you have a have a thought about that. Yeah, I think if you read this book and you think, well, that was a little too low level for me, guess what? you could lead a great discussion on it. And that's what, you know, I just know that that's how I've always felt is like, give me something that I can hand to someone else to start the conversations. And if you've ever wanted to talk about deep theological things and felt like either people wouldn't take you up on it because they were too intimidated or you yourself were not sure of how to bring things down to a level where people would be able to take it in and not feel that threat, that's another thing that we want this book to do. And this is meant to be a tool in the hands of someone who understands their own call to discuss 
disciple the person coming along behind them. So because that's what JT and I, that's the work we've been doing in the local church. So this is not theoretical for us. And I just really want to say that very clearly. One of the reasons that we try to write at the level that we do, at least in my case, is because I started out on my teaching experience, teaching seventh grade girls Sunday school, thinking at some point I would graduate to the big leagues and they'd let me talk to actual full grown women. (laughs) And then I learned that the ways that I had learned to speak to seventh grade girls about the deep truths of Christianity were the exact same tools that I needed to speak to full-grown women, that we never outgrow Mm -hmm. hearing deep truths articulated in simple terms. And so that's what this book is setting out to do. And whether you find yourself in the seat of the student or in the seat of the teacher, we hope that this is a resource that will be helpful to you. And JT, I think that your story in the book at the beginning of how the first day you ever saw yourself as a theologian was funny the way that you told it, but you did talk about how theology began to become defined for you on that day. Talk us about how you guys are defining theology. If everyone's a theologian, what's theology in the first place, according to JT and Jen? Yeah. Even just to give like a 15 second, like my story, come to faith in college, loved my campus ministry, got involved in a local church pastor said, you should go to seminary to grow. And I was like, what's seminary? So I'm like, I just show up at seminary and like, okay, yeah, I'll pay $30,000 to learn about God. Like the fact that we, that's a whole other conversation. We can do that. We can do that one later. But I show up to my first class and I felt so intimidated. I felt so out of place. I'm a guy that got into college on probation. I wasn't academically inclined. And and he, he walked in and he's credentialed. He's got, I, I've looked him up. I know where he's graduated from. And he asks, you know, who's a theologian? And we start saying pastors or academics or missionaries. And he just writes those two Greek words, theos and logos, up on the board and draws a line between them. And I realized the definition of theos is God and the definition of logos is word or words. And I realized everybody has a theology, whether it's an atheist or a secularist or a four-year-old or a 94-year-old, as we all have, whether it's through life experience and understanding of God's special revelation is or, or relationships, we all have a theology. And so that's, again, another reason we wrote this book is I came to the conviction, and Jen had that conviction before I did, that this matters for everybody. Like nobody's exempt from the task of knowing and loving God. That is what we were created to do. We were created to know him, Genesis chapter one, and we're created to love him, to enjoy his presence. And so theology has often been defined as an academic or an intellectual task. And we realized, no, this is a discipleship task Mm -hmm. that we're all called to know and love God well. I had to go to seminary to learn that. This book is to help you not to go to seminary, (laughs) although we love seminaries. I love seminary. It's a great, I had an amazing experience at seminary. I hope more people go, but I didn't. I don't want everybody to have to go to that classroom to learn that. They should learn that in their home groups, from their pastor, from their preacher, from their Sunday school classes. And that's one of the reasons we wrote this book. I appreciate that, JT. I remember my first week in seminary, I had an economics degree and had been a Christian for a long time, but I didn't understand the game of theological education. So I go there and they start using these words and these terms, and they didn't like give me an intro class, like here's like, the glossary. No. Yeah. <laughs> and they start using these words that I like, I didn't know there was a difference between the term evangelical and evangelism. So they kept talking about evangelicals. I was like, I guess these are people who witness a lot. I didn't even know what they were. I remember thinking when I finally figured out, oh, there's a category of like this socio-political theological category of people. I didn't know. So I appreciate that so much. But one of the things that you guys said too, you said that theology helps us live life well. 
That's a very interesting statement. Jenna, would you mind unpacking that just for a minute? Yeah, well, if theology teaches us what it is to live according to who God is, you know, then it means that it will impact the way that we make decisions. It'll impact the way that we pray. We're going to pray different prayers when we have the glory of God in view. And theology gives you a vision of God high and lifted up, among other things. And so it rightly orients us to the world around us. And so, you know, it's neglect means that we will tend to turn inward and think greater thoughts are more just inwardly turn thoughts about ourselves, theology reorients us to what is true. And that is that God is the source of all things and, you know, from him and through him and to him are all things. And so, you know, you would think that there are not actual practical applications, but like just an example would be when I understand that Christ is both fully human and fully God, it's going to impact the way that I talk about being like Christ. You know, because we have a tendency to either over-identify with his humanity or to over-identify him with his humanity or over-identify him with his deity. And to understand, no, he's actually both of these things at the same time means that I won't commit the error of saying he's just like me, but I will understand what it means that he's just like me the way that I should. And and then if I'm thinking about being conformed to his image, then I'm going to go about that differently than I would have. That's good. I have a question just about the topics in the Bible, because obviously theology is a broad topic. In the book. In the book. I'm sorry. Not in mm-hmm. the Bible, in the book. Um, well, we have questions about that, too. I do that have too, questions about just... that as well, but okay. in the book, because I know the two of you, and I know you don't always agree on everything, so deciding what are the core theologies that we're going to cover, I'm just curious if there was any debate there, anything that you said, like... I want to include this, but I want to include that, or how you came to terms with these are the things that we think every Christian needs to know and understand. Yeah, well, JT and I say a lot that we're not trying to do a new thing. We're trying to do an old thing recently forgotten. Mm -hmm. So if you're paying attention to the table of contents, you'll find that we just took the Apostles' Creed and walked our way through it. So yeah, it was like, let's not fix what isn't broken. Let's just go. go and walk through the historic positions of the church on these things and expand them. Yeah. And we really wanted to do that by asking the way that we framed the book was kind of thinking, what's historical orthodoxy and how do we frame those into questions? Yes. So I've I've already mentioned them a few times because everybody has these questions. Mm -hmm. Who is God? What is he like? How do I know? Who am I? What's wrong with me and what's wrong with the world? How's God making these things right? Mm -hmm. Who do I belong to a certain group of people, Mm -hmm. church? And like each of these are doctrines, right? The doctrine mm-hmm. of God, the doctrine of humanity, the doctrine of scripture, mm-hmm. the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church, and the last one, the doctrine of last things. Mm-hmm. Where's all this going? And so we wanted to take something that might have felt inaccessible, like studying the Apostles' Creed, to to framing it in questions that that all of us have. And something that was, a, I would say, a real challenge for us, Jen, I'd be interested to hear how you, you'd say this is Leslie, you highlighted, we do disagree. We don't disagree on orthodoxy. Like, I don't think Jen and I have ever had like a fundamental, (laughs) and if she did, she'd be, and if we did, she'd be wrong about it. We would not Uh, be friends. Yes. (laughs) No, there's, there's not uh, be a Christian. Yeah. Jen and I agree on 99% of things. When you find Jen and I or Kyle on our podcast disagreeing, we're talking about the last sliver of like tiny nuanced stuff. Mm -hmm. And we really tried to write this book with lots of traditions in mind, Mm -hmm. orthodox traditions, but like, we wanted, you know, we both come from Baptistic broadly traditions. I also grew up Methodist. Jen has some of that in her background too. And so we said, man, we don't want this to just be like a, 
our small little evangelical world book, though I'm a happy participant, card-carrying member of that world. Mm -hmm. But we just wanted to say, how can we help Christians who Mm -hmm. love Jesus, who love the Bible, who want to have the gospel implanted in their hearts in deeper ways? And so we wanted to, like, for example, when we address, I'm trying to get your question, Leslie, things like baptism or church government, Mm -hmm. things that well-meaning Christians can disagree about, though Jen and I both have convictions about those, where we could say those things, what is not open-handed is the doctrine of God. What mm-hmm. is open-handed might be some ecclesiology stuff. And we wrote the book with that in mind. Yeah. And I appreciate that too. And also the practical, because like some of those things you like, when you talk about ecclesiology, you say, okay, look, put your charts away. Let me tell you what the most important things are. But then you also have some practical sections in the book where you go, let me tell you why we're not going to argue about ecclesiology in the book, but let me tell you why it matters. And in fact, you have a section, how do you find a good church with some really practical steps on how to do that? So I really appreciate that so much. And Leslie, I think that this book is so helpful. Like I'm buying it for all my kids because I want them to read it and I'm going to have some conversations with them about it. And as a pastor, I can think of just so many people that are serious about their walk with God, but we have so many people that are new to faith at family church. And this book is a great way for them to sort of begin to put some things together. And so I'm really grateful. I wonder if you guys, there's, there's pastors listening to this, And they're going to listen and they're going to say, man, I really want to do a better job shepherding my congregation and teaching them to think systematically and theologically about the scriptures. What would you say to a pastor? Where would they start other than buy your book? Of course, that's where number one place they should start. But what would you say to those pastors who may even feel discouraged or guilty about the lack of theological awareness that people in their church tend to have? Yeah, I mean, making a start is really important, and no one is going to go, oh, why didn't you ever do this before? They're just going to be so thankful to have access to these ideas. And I would just say that, again, because JT and I are local church practitioners, we actually wrote the book with some mechanics in place to make it easier than it might otherwise be. There's 10 chapters in the book. You know, most people in church work know that you have 10 or 11 weeks in between Labor Day and Thanksgiving, and then you have that same block of time again in the spring, or it's a decent length for summer. And so thinking about, you know, where in the regular rhythms of the life of the church could we make room for people to gather and have guided discussions around this material? Material. I think there's tons of room to do extensions on what is in the book, you know? And so this, again, so often, you know, one of the things JT and I talk about a lot is the expert amateur divide and how the person who stands on the platform is the expert and the people who sit in the seats are the amateur. And I think if, if you're a pastor and you have had access to good theological training, this is meant to be a bridge to help people realize that you can diminish the expert amateur divide, that they can actually move toward the understanding that they have seen on the platform, that it's not meant for that person to only hold it and disseminate it to those who are in the room. Because again, the work of theology is the work that we are all all tasked with. It's the, it's the work of discipleship. JT, I wonder if you would just share for, as we kind of wrap this up, what are the best ways for listeners to gain access to the book, to gain access to your podcast and to connect with you guys? How could they do that? Yeah. I mean, so the book's available, amazon.com, lifeway.com. It's currently at a pretty good discount. So just jump on. It's called You Are a Theologian, an Invitation to Know and Love God Well. And I would encourage you, this is going to sound like I'm trying to sell books. I'm not. We're trying to disciple people in the local church is get one for a friend, like get one for your group. Like we wrote this book with this fall at my church storyline. 
I hope my church, they know that I wrote a book, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk about the book, but we're doing 10 weeks and we're calling it foundational truths. And I'm basically teaching the book through the lens of the 10 foundational truths that we use in storyline kids. Mm-hmm. God is good. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus saves us. So like the book isn't going to be front and center. It's going to be in the background. We're not selling any at storyline. It's not that. But it's if, if you're a pastor or a home group leader, missional communities leader, we really wrote this for this to be read in the context of community with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, as a ministry leader, I think one of the questions that I got the most, Jimmy, and I imagine you guys get this at your church as well, is what should I do for a new believer? And often what we mean by that is new in the in sense of like chronology. They just came to faith. And that's true. But often we have new believers who've been walking with Jesus for 20 years, just haven't been discipled. Mm-hmm. And like the yeah. church is new believers, not just in terms of I came to faith last week. It's I'm new because nobody's developed me or grown mm-hmm. me. That's what this is for. So if there's somebody in your life that you would say, man, I hope they can get some you know grips on the basics of the faith. This is a book. And Jen and I wrote this book really out of a desire. We've been doing this for eight years together, whether it's on our Knowing Faith podcast or the cohorts that we run, is we are really trying to step in that space of removing the expert amateur divide, whether that's from a seminary or a pastor that preaches over the head of his people to kind of lay evangelical, easy believism and say, there's real substance out there mm-hmm. for every Christian. It's found in Christ and it's found in scripture. And we want it to be accessible to you in formats like books and podcasts that are easily shareable with other people. That's awesome. Thank you so much, JT and Jen, for letting us talk to you today and learn about this. And I know, again, I'm sure people can contact you through your podcast, which is the Knowing Faith podcast, and get your information on Lifeway and Amazon as well. Yeah, this has been a great conversation, and I want to thank both of you. It means a lot to us that you have come on our podcast, and you are two of the most influential disciple makers that we know. You've been influential in our lives personally, and in our families, and in our church staff family. So thank you guys for being a part of all of that. I commend to all of our listeners this book, and I think so many of you guys who are listening, I think Jen said parents would benefit. And I just, as a dad, I would just say, this is a great resource, particularly if you have teenagers or college students. I urge you to consider walking your kids through a book like this. I think that could be very, very productive. Anyhow, I recommend everything that these guys have published, everything that they say, listen to all their teaching and all their sermons and go to everything. Anyways, Awesome being I've with got you. A few guys. sermons I need to pull real quick. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, this is a good time to do that in this day and age, isn't it? Anyhow, thank you so much for JT English and Jen Wilkin. I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off with Leslie Bennett. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.